Uh, as Chris said, I'm Robin, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be here this evening. I'm not sure why that's funny. Um, <laughs> and over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the He Is series and the letter of Colossians and finding out who Jesus is in that letter. So we're going to be continuing that this evening. And Colossians is a letter written by a man named Paul, and we find it in the New Testament of the Bible. And he's writing to a church in a city called Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey. And the verses we've been looking at, Paul looks to be uh, quoting a song or a hymn, and he's fighting to encourage them. And he's using these verses to remind them of who Jesus is. And that's why we've been doing it so far, um, looking at these verses, so that we can be reminded of who Jesus is. I've really enjoyed hearing from the other speakers and being reminded of why we worship him. So we've, we've heard that he is the image of God, that we can look to Jesus and see what God is like. We can see his character. We've got a real-life man that we can look at and see what God is like. That's great. We, we heard that he's a creator, but not only that, he's the sustainer of the universe. That by his very power that he used to create the universe, he keeps it running. He keeps it going now. We heard that he was the head of a church and is the head of a church still. Um, that's good. And, and last week we heard from James, um, who was speaking about Jesus being the risen one, the man who rose from the dead. And this week we're going to look at verse 19. So that's Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, if you want to read it in your Bible, uh, or it will be on the wall behind me. And it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now for me, that's exactly the kind of verse that I'll read and I'll kind of forget about. I'll, I'll read on to the next, to the rest of the sentence. It's literally the first half of the sentence. So it's very easy to get to that comma and then carry on into verse 20 without really thinking about it. I'm going, okay, yeah, thanks, Paul. What's next? But if we stop and we think about what Paul is saying and why he wrote that little half sentence to the Colossians, why he included that, what can we learn about Jesus in this verse? Then we can, we can learn some things. Now, first of all, it's quite clear that Paul is saying that he is the fullness. He is the fullness of God. And so he, Jesus, is fully God. And that's, that's who he's talking about. For in him, in Jesus, that's who that is, he is fully God. Everything that it is to be God, all of God's nature, all of God's power, the completeness of God is in Jesus. There's nothing left out. It even says all the fullness of God, so that we, just so that we're sure, all the fullness, not some of the fullness, is in him. I'm not sure what some of the fullness would look like, but anyway. There wasn't a point before the beginning of creation, the beginning of time, where the three persons of the Trinity tried to divide up these different characteristics of God, where... I don't know, the father said to the son, okay, yeah, my son, you can have compassion. That sounds like a good one for you. I'll keep forgiveness and spirit. If you could do wisdom, that would be really great. That's, that sounds silly. Well, it is silly. Um, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. The whole fullness of God is in Jesus. Not just some of it. So everything that we think of when we think of God, everything that we can say of God is also true of Jesus. And this might seem strange because the Jesus we know, the Jesus we read about, is a man. We read stories of him 
in the Gospels. We read first-hand accounts of people who walked with him and spoke with him and lived their lives with him. So how can he also be God? How can he be fully man and, and fully God? It doesn't really conform to our human understanding because we're used to being, or things being or people being one thing or the other, not both. Maybe we'll have half of one thing and half of the other. But thankfully, Jesus isn't limited by our human understanding. Thankfully, he, he manages to achieve this thing. Now, my, one of my favorite drinks is lemonade. <laughs> Especially in the summer, a nice cold glass of lemonade is the best. Um, definitely my favorite soft drink. And if I am trying to decide what I want to drink, maybe I'm at the welcome night in a few weeks' time, and I, I, there we go, got that in there. And I'm trying to decide what I want to drink. I can choose to have a full glass of lemonade, or perhaps I'll have, I don't know, water, a full glass of water. Maybe it'll be a bit boring or trying to keep my sugar low or something. And I'll have a full glass of water. I can't have both. I can't have a glass that's fully lemonade and fully water. If I was trying to be clever, I might be like, well, you could fill half the glass with lemonade and then add water but then you've just ruined your lemonade. You've diluted your lemonade. Why would you do that? Bin it and get a new glass of lemonade. Jesus isn't like this. This is great. Jesus isn't diluted because he chose to become a man. His godliness isn't any less because he chose to become a man. He is still fully God to this day. And I think Paul says, well, I know that Paul says later on in this book, something very similar to what we've already just read but in a slightly different way. He says in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And I quite like that wording. I think it illustrates what we're, what we're saying here quite well. For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, the whole fullness of his character, the whole fullness of God's power, the whole fullness of his wisdom, his compassion, his forgiveness, all of it, his deity is in him, in Jesus, in the body, in the man. It's not any less because he is in a man. It's not any less. Well, why does Paul tell us this? Why is Paul writing to the Colossians and saying this thing, effectively the same thing, twice? So he really wants them to get it. He's really keen on this idea. Well, as we've already mentioned, he's writing to encourage them. He's using this song to remind them of who he is. But later on, Paul comes to address some teaching that's been happening in this city. And he uses this song that we've been going through. He uses this song as a basis for some correction. He addresses some of that teaching that's not quite right, that doesn't quite sit with what these people have been taught about Jesus. And he gives us a few specific examples, but... Ultimately, the people in the Colossians have been putting other things before God. Rather than recognizing Jesus as the fullness of God, they're looking to other things to supplement him. They're trying to add in something else. They're not satisfied with just the fullness of God, and they try and dilute him, perhaps. And Paul gives us a couple of examples. I'll, I'll read two of them. Um, the first is the worship of angels. So not only are they worshipping Jesus, they're also deciding to worship something else in addition to. 
And one of the other things Paul mentions is extreme religious fasting. Not just fasting in perhaps how, how we might do it or try to do it in, uh, in Grace Church, but extreme fasting religiously, taking it to the extreme. And Paul says that we don't need to do this. Paul is telling the Colossians, you already have the fullness of God. What are you doing turning to angels? What are you doing subjecting yourself to extreme fasting to try and gain more? You already have him. These supplements, these things you're adding on, have no value when compared to him. When you put the, the fasting and the angels next to Jesus, I know who I want to worship. They pale in comparison. And so for us, why, why do we care? I mean, we, we weren't worshipping angels earlier, we were worshipping him. So does this still apply to us? Well, where else do we see in our lives where we're putting other things before him? Where we're looking to the things of this earth rather than to him for our security, perhaps. In the message a couple of weeks ago, Duncan talked about looking to other people to receive love. But we already have his perfect love. We don't need to look anywhere else. And in the same way, we already have the fullness of God in a man. So maybe we're not engaging in the worship of angels, but we do, and still do, look to other things of this world before him. And I think for me, one thing I've discovered in the past few weeks and last couple of months as I've been preparing this message and thinking about what I want to say, I've realized that this is true of me in, in a particular area in my finances. That I'm putting my faith, my trust in other things of this world before him. So my job and my career, perhaps, definitely. Um, and, and in the way that I budget. And those things I'm trying to supplement Jesus with. And because of the way that I look to those things, I'm not recognizing in practice that he is the fullness of God. Now, it's worth mentioning that these things aren't necessarily bad. Budgeting and being a good steward of your money isn't a bad thing. Paul talks about fasting in his letter. That's not a bad thing. Having a, a job and working hard isn't a bad thing. But if we're doing those things to try and supplement Jesus in some way, if we're trying to add something in, if we're looking to them first, then something's gone wrong. And this might become a problem for us if something changes. These are all things of this world, and things of this world change. If something happens and you don't have that job anymore or you don't get the, the job that you wanted perhaps or your circumstances change or you have a big expense coming up, whatever it is, whatever fits your example, you, you're left in a rather sticky situation. I, um, I started a new job on, on Thursday and it was voluntary but it still meant a lot of uncertainty for me. It still meant a lot of change for me. And I went through a period where I realized that 
all of my faith was locked up in my current job. I trusted in the company I was with to pay me, and they did, thankfully. <laughs> I trusted them to have my back effectively, that as long as I was working for this company, and as long as I was budgeting well, I would be okay, and we could provide for me and my wife and our home. And as soon as we decided to move, that threw that into jeopardy. I was, I was unsure, I was uncertain. I'd lost that security, that comfort that I'd felt. And so I was in a position where I was like, okay, I've recognized this, I've discovered this, oops. Now what? what? What do I do? Well, Paul's very good. Paul's great. He's, uh, he's got the answer right here in the same book, um, in Colossians 3, right at the very beginning of uh, the third chapter. He says, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now, it sounds simple, it is, it is simple. It might not be easy, but it is simple. And it turns out, as we look to him, as we look to Jesus, and we put him first, that as we were looking at earlier, these other things pale in comparison. Why would you look to your, your job or the lovers, love of others or the worship of angels when you've got your eyes fixed on him? As we look on him, we will find naturally that our eyes will be lifted away from the things of this earth. We can take our eyes off of them, put them on him, and recognize that he is the fullness of God. We can proclaim that truth over ourselves. It's amazing the power that proclaiming truth over yourself can have. Proclaim that truth over yourselves and your, your friends and your families. He is the fullness of God, and we can fix our eyes on him and worship him. And as we do that, will be left in awe of him and we'll be following him and actually the other things will be okay. Because we know that he is the fullness of God, because we know that everything we've read about so far, his creation, his sustaining power, everything is true of him, then we know that we can take any problem to him, that there is nothing that he can't handle, that he exhausts God, so he exhausts any problem that we take to him. What we're going to do now is we're going to sing a song. Chris will come up now, I think, and uh, we'll sing a song, uh, or maybe, maybe more than one. Uh, and we're going to spend some time in worship. We're going to spend some time lifting our eyes to him. I think it would be very easy to off the back of this, go straight into, uh, okay, let's spend some time reflecting as individuals and close in on ourselves and find what areas of our lives need changing. But that's not what Paul said here. He said, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to lift our eyes. We're going to spend some time in worship and focus on his glory and his fullness. And we'll see that he is far bigger, far greater than any of our other problems. And he is far bigger and far greater than any job, any other situation, any angels. Yeah, let's worship him.